0: And if those who are reading want to take their places, now would be a good time to do it. So I decided this week that the book of Acts might be my favorite thing to preach. Because the Old Testament is just really weird. (laughs) And when you preach the Gospels, there's a lot of pressure to explain everything that Jesus said. And people want to argue about whether or not it was true. And when you preach the letters of the New Testament, like I'm going to start doing in a couple weeks, there's a whole lot of theology that you have to sort through. But when you get to the book of Acts, it's a bunch of crazy stories. And they just are what they are, and we get to decide what to make of them. Jesus is not there in the flesh. It's people like us, people in the early church trying to live out what they heard from Jesus, to figure out how that works in their own specific situations. And this morning's story, in my opinion, is the best one in the whole book. The context is that this happens after Pentecost, which we'll celebrate in a few weeks, so we're messing with the timeline a little. As the gospel begins to spread beyond the Jewish people, both geographically and culturally, the question of who is in becomes more and more significant. Jesus' original disciples have been commissioned by him to go into all the world and make more disciples, teaching those new disciples to obey everything that Jesus commanded. But up to this point, the Jesus movement was exclusively Jewish. And the Jewish people had a lot of specific cultural practices. Jesus was a devout Jewish man, and he followed all of the law, and he encouraged his followers to do the same. So as the message spreads, followers of Jesus have to figure out what is essentially the gospel and what is cultural custom. What are the markers of a faithful life? How do we know who is in and who is not? So let us listen now in the reading of Scripture for the Word and the wisdom of God.
1: At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion. He and all of his family were devout and God fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Peter. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Get up, Peter. Kill
2: and eat. Surely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean.
1: The voice spoke to him a second time.
2: Do
0: not call anything impure that God has made clean.
1: This happened three times, and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking. others arrived in Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell to his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, saying, Stand up, for I am
2: only a man myself.
1: While While talking to him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them,
2: You are well aware that it was against our law. Due Jew to associate with or visit the Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure mm-hmm. or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? For me, Cornelius? Three days ago,
1: I was in my house praying at this hour at uh, the three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said,
2: I now realize how true it is that God has not sure favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears God and does what is right. You all know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. He commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one God is appointed to judge the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still
1: speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said,
2: Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have. So Peter ordered
1: that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ.
0: This is the word of God for all people. I love this story. The highlight of our worship this morning is coming together at the table of the Lord. As we sang a few minutes ago, at this table, no one is a stranger and everyone belongs. This table is a foretaste of what we will experience someday when God gathers all people together and finally we realize that our differences are not strong enough to separate us. But that's a really hard lesson to learn. We all like to think of ourselves as open-minded, don't we? And yet, we all have someone that we do not want to be at the table with. In the 1950s, African-American pastor Dr. Howard Thurman said that the problem in America is a spirit Of separation. And spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. Legislation, yes, but not legislation only. Our spirits need to be healed of the desire to be separate from one another. And that's the lesson that Peter learns in today's story. The separation between people that he assumed was natural even sanctioned by God in the Old Testament, that separation had been done away with forever in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was a huge lesson for Peter to learn, and it changed the course of the church. Really, it changed the course of human history. And I'd like for us to think today about how this process works. It starts with prayer. Peter is making time to connect with the divine. And I love this because the story specifically says that when he does, he gets hungry. Maybe, maybe all of you are much better prayers than I have, and you've never had the experience of praying and feeling distracted. Either sleepy or hungry or just distracted by something else that's going on in your life. And often what we do is beat ourselves up for that, oh, I'm not doing, should be praying, I'm supposed to be focusing on God. But in this story, the moment of distraction is what God uses To speak to Peter. The thing that we're probably most likely to beat ourselves up for in prayer is exactly where God comes in to say something new to Peter. And the next thing that happens is that Peter hears something that makes no sense to him. When God is teaching us lessons, when God is revealing new things to us, quite often at the beginning, it's, it doesn't make sense. Peter was invited. This is a great vision, you guys. You have to imagine this. He's hungry, he's on the roof, and he has a vision. And a sheet comes down from heaven on ropes, maybe, or holy chains. And it's filled with animals. So, like, you have to imagine them, like, alive, squirming around. There's a sheet full of animals. I know, it makes me feel that way, too. What? It's a sheet full of animals. And a voice from the Lord says to Peter, get up, kill something, and eat it. And he says, no, because I read the Old Testament, and it tells me that I can't eat any of these unclean things. This first lesson is something that Peter just, he doesn't, it doesn't fit with what he's comfortable with. It doesn't fit with what he knows of God. It doesn't fit with what he's been taught all his life. And yet it seems to be from the Lord. And God says to Peter, what God has made clean, you don't call impure. And this happens three times because when God is going to teach you something new, God will confirm it. Not just one time, not just two times, multiple times. If you're learning something new, you will hear that message over and over and over again. Those of you who have had this experience, you're nodding your heads at me. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then this experience that Peter has becomes something more than what he thought it was. The first lesson that God teaches us may not be the final lesson that God is trying to teach us. God is still speaking. God continues to speak. The first lesson was about food. The real lesson is about people. As the lesson of what is clean works its way through Peter's heart and mind, he realizes that it's not a lesson about what is clean, but about who is clean. The voice says to Peter, that which, the thing, the thing that God has made clean, you don't call unclean. But when Peter repeats this story, when he has this experience, when he goes to Cornelius' house, What he tells the people is, God said to me that I'm not supposed to call any human impure or unclean. Peter heard something from God, and as he understood it, it became something new in him. He was able to apply it in more places. This was not a lesson about food. This was a lesson about Gentiles. This was a lesson about the people that Peter thought, I can't associate with those people. God doesn't associate with those people. My holy text says that those people are doing something wrong that makes them unacceptable to participate in the family of God. And God The very God, the Creator God, says to Peter, No one is unclean. No one is unworthy to participate in the kingdom. No one is unable to be forgiven. Everyone is included already. Not when they change to agree with our politics or our theology. Not when they get out of jail. Not when they get into recovery. Not when they prove to us that they're actually sorry. But right now, everyone is clean. And there's no separation. Peter goes to the house of a Gentile. And he speaks and he teaches. When God is teaching us a new lesson... God will bring people into our lives who challenge our prejudices. Whoever the people are that we separate ourselves from, as we are growing in spiritual maturity, God will send those people to us to become our friends, and we will realize through that friendship, possibly even through your own family, that the separation that we assumed was from God, because it's in our book, That separation is what Jesus came to overcome. And as we're going to talk about in Pentecost in a few weeks, the mark that the separation is gone is that these people who were supposed to be outsiders are having the same religious experience that we are having. We can see... That they are connecting with the divine just like we are. We can see that they are hearing from God just like we are. That's the, whole, that's the uh, speaking in tongues part. That's what it is all the way through the book of Acts every time. The people that you thought were outsiders, they're having the same amazing religious experience. We know what that meant to us. God must be with them too. What Peter says in his mini sermon is that, and it's mini because the Holy Spirit says, okay, you've talked enough, I'm going to come work now. (laughs) So prepare yourselves, you never know when that might happen. What Peter says in his mini sermon is that Jesus is the one who judges. Jesus is the one who has been appointed to decide who's in and who's out. The one who loves us unconditionally. The one who loves us enough to sacrifice everything on our behalf. The one who will never leave us. That's the one who gets to decide. And then this story ends with the ritual of baptism. And rituals are very important for humans. Because... We experience a lot of intangible things in this world, don't we? In our worship, in our experience of God, often it's not, this is why we build churches, right? So that we can like, try to put something around this experience that we're having. And that's why we have rituals. In the ritual of baptism, the person experiences being cleansed by God. What God has made clean, let no one call unclean. The person demonstrates their commitment to following Jesus. The community says, this is our ritual. We know that you're one of us. And as we come to the table this morning, we celebrate this ritual of acceptance. No one is a stranger here. Everyone belongs. As we find forgiveness here, we in turn forgive all wrongs done to us through the power of Jesus. As an open and affirming church, we need this story. I'll tell you, friends, as I was going through my own journey on understanding God's acceptance of all people, this story was huge for me. This story will mess you up. As a church who believes that God is still speaking, we need this story. We have these stories in our sacred text so that we recognize when they're happening to us, even though they're different. But we don't have these stories so that we can see what God used to do. We have these stories so that we can see what God is still doing. And as people who are honestly seeking to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, we need this story. We need a story of what it looks like to change our minds, of what it looks like to be open to have God teach us something new, of what it looks like to accept others who are so different from us, to come to the table together. We need this story. And when we come to the table, we are reminded that our ancestors in the faith have insisted for hundreds of years that this is the joyful feast of the people of God. At this table, there is room for people of all genders, of all ages, of all races, people with every type of body, can come from the north and the south and the east and the west and gather here about Christ's table.